Hello and welcome to Money Chill Out, the podcast to get inspired and feel good about your money. I'm Mike Afino, a woman in my 30s, ex-trader in the city of London, yoga teacher and owner of my financial empowerment business. On this podcast, I want to open up the discussion around money and investments and dive into personal finance management, which can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversations on money, mindsets, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. You too can get financial peace of mind and it starts with empowerment and knowledge. Let's go. Hi, Jenny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you. I'm super happy to have you on this podcast. So thanks for your time. I'll do a quick intro and we'll go from there. So you're based in Washington, you're a former startup executive, and you've converted into a mindful money coach. So you run programs, workshops, and you coach women so they have a blissful relationship with their money, live an abundant life, and build lasting wealth. So that sounds like a dream for me. <laughs> And uh, you you reached out to me because we are both pretty passionate about helping others to transform their mindsets, daughter mindset in specifically. And I'm very excited about our discussion. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Cool. So before we go a bit further, so can you describe what it exactly means to have a blissful relationship and, and what does it englobes? Sure. So... It might be helpful first to recognize that most people do not have a blissful relationship with money. A lot of us have baggage or uh, maybe shame related to our past financial decisions. A lot of us have anxiety about our current financial state or our future. And a lot of people even have what's called a scarcity mindset, especially if they did not have all of their needs met when they were growing up. So having a blissful relationship with money means that you first acknowledge and accept your past mishaps and you recognize them as a necessary part of your evolution. It's just part of the learning process that we all go through in life. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a vision-driven financial plan. And uh, you know we can talk about that a little further on, but the fact is that you know each day that your money is working for you and your future. Uh, you see money as a helpful tool and not an end goal in and of itself. And probably the most important element of having a blissful relationship with money is that you've cultivated what's called an abundance mindset. And that means that you believe the world is comprised of unlimited opportunities and resources, including the financial kind. So quite literally the opposite of a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. I love that. So in terms of feelings, what, what does it involve? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot in there. I'd say optimism, peace of mind feeling grateful for everything in your life, creativity. You know, often we find that when people don't have the stress and anxiety around money, that they have a clear mind and they can all of a sudden really invent and create things at a much elevated level than before. I'd say resourcefulness and also feeling resilient. You know, being stressed and worried about money really does tie up a lot of your emotional and mental energy. And so when you don't have all of that, when that stress and worry goes away, 
you can really focus clearly on the challenges and opportunities that are presented to you. And ultimately, they're always presented to us. We never, we never go through life without facing some challenges or having the opportunity to seize on opportunities. So there's, there's this great sense of empowerment in having the clarity alone when you're not kind of burdened with the stress around money. Mm-hmm. Or, or the word that I love. <laughs> so can we tell a bit about you? So what attracted you with blissfulness and why did you go there? And did you have, I don't know, any turning point maybe that you want to share? Yeah, sure. So I grew up associating money with stress and being overworked because that's exactly what I saw from my parents. You know, they were always stressed about money, regardless of how much we had or didn't have. And that was that had a lot to do with the fact that they didn't have financial literacy, as a lot of people don't, you know, but paying bills was was always this really stressful exercise for my mom and something she'd put off until the last minute. She just dreaded dealing with her money. So it was instilled in me that money was something you had to stress about and you had to work very hard to get. And it was elusive and not in abundance. Uh, So naturally, I followed suit once I became an adult. And in my 20s, I avoided getting my financial house in order. I was literally a mess financially, very successful in my career, but didn't have a lot to show for it in terms of my net worth or debt, things like that. So it wasn't until I was actually in my 30s and I started working for a self-made billionaire that I realized and learned from him that money and the potential for abundance is actually available to anyone. And it's not as elusive as I thought. And also I did not have to stress about it. So this this awareness about wealth potential came at a time when I was personally immersing myself in mindfulness and starting to understand that so much of what we perceive to be really painful experiences in our lives are indeed mind-made. And once we recognize that, we can choose to think differently. Mm -hmm. So one particular learning from that time that really struck with me is that worrying is actually an exercise of exerting the same energy as praying except that you're praying for what you don't want to happen or what you don't <laughs> want in your life. And that was, a, that was a, a learning that just kind of radically changed, changed things for me. And so changing my belief system and adopting an abundance mindset through various mindfulness practices really produced a radical shift for me. And not just on the inside, but also on the outside, I started to really manifest the financial well-being that at one point didn't think was available to me. And I, I realized that I wanted that for other people, especially women. I wanted women to experience that as well. Mm-hmm. And that's how you made it your business. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and what I like in your, what you say is that actually the state of blissfulness is available to everyone, but still we tend to believe that it's linked to our wealth. So what do you have to say there? Yeah. So I believe that wealth begins within. So a lot of, a lot of folks do not feel worthy of great wealth on the inside. And so even if it comes to them, they quickly subconsciously find a way to get rid of it. And we've all heard the stories of lottery winners, you know, that that played the lottery for years and years and years, and they finally win it. And then a couple years later, they're bankrupt. Other people believe that they've got to get something like money, relationships or things in order to have joy in their lives. But that's also uh, erroneous thinking, because that kind of joy is very much fleeting. And so I believe to have a blissful relationship with money and to see it manifest externally as wealth, you've got to do the inner work of money before you do the outer work. And the inner work 
it's, you know, it's, it's ultimately about fostering an abundance mindset and having a clear vision for your life. And once you achieve that, you can then shift to the outer work, which is mostly around goal setting or financial planning. But where a lot of people go wrong is that they try to do the outer work without tackling the inner work first. And that's a painful and highly ineffective way to become wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I like it that you distinguish between the two because we always want, and I guess it's human, to go like the fastest or maybe to be like the most practical straight away. Whereas, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of things to do before actually talking about the how we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like um, we jump to the doing before we, before we do the being. Mm. You know, we've got to be before we can do effectively. And that's the piece I think is missing in a lot of financial planning. Yeah. And, and uh, it really talks to me that one. Yeah. And and the point with having that blissful journey is having a supportive and optimist belief system. So before looking at the tools and what we can do with them, let's look at what we absolutely need to avoid. So what are the common mistakes that you see? Yeah. I'd say first being sloppy with our words. So, you know, when we say things like money at the root of all evil or so-and-so is filthy rich, we actually reinforce subconsciously in ourselves that money is bad and should be avoided. And so watching, you know, watching the way that we speak around money is actually really important. I think also uh, harboring feelings of jealousy or resentment towards other people that have wealth works against us as well. And then, you know, finally, I'd say um, a lot of us do this, fixating and focusing on what we don't have <laughs> instead of being grateful for what we do have. So I'm a really firm believer that what we focus on grows. So if you want to have abundance, don't be obsessed with what you think you're lacking or what your limitations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why practicing gratitude is a great start. So if we go into more details, how do you use it in your daily life? Or can you give us a few examples on how we can, let's say tomorrow, start to do it? Yeah, sure. So gratitude is is actually a very powerful money ritual to adopt. And it's free and easy, <laughs> but it takes practice. So first, you know, every time I pay for something, even if it's a small cup of coffee at a bodega, I think to myself, I'm so blessed or what a blessing this is. It takes practice. You have to be very intentional about it in the early stages, but it takes practice. And over time, you start to do this without even realizing that you are. And that's a very powerful exercise because when you're in the midst of transacting and taking money from your wallet and giving it to someone else to acknowledge gratitude in that moment is very, it's very powerful, but also you do that so much throughout the day that you're just constantly in a state of gratitude. I'm also a a big fan of maintaining a gratitude journal. So there's, there's a really great one by a company called Ink and Bolt that I use, and it includes um, beautiful quotes around abundance and, and various props throughout the journal. I think it's best to write a few lines about what you're grateful for right before you go to sleep at night. Have that be the last thing implanted in your mind um, as you drift off to sleep. And I found that this practice um, actually helps me wake up with a renewed optimism for the new day. I didn't know there was even like a gratitude book. So definitely have a look. Yeah. And um, you're talking as well about mindfulness. So can you tell us how we can use it in our money relationship again? Yeah, sure. 
as I mentioned before, it was, you know, the fact that I was kind of immersing myself in mindfulness at the same time that I had these revelations about wealth building, I think uh, just kind of like heightened the ability to, to have this massive transformation in my own life in a short amount of time. And so, you know, one of the things mindfulness encompasses a lot when it comes to stress and anxiety, particularly around money, meditation is actually a very powerful tool to help clear away nonsense thoughts and center you. So what I mean by that is um, our imagination can literally run wild coming up with various scenarios for how we could lose our money or our job, our financial stability. And I truly appreciate how creative our minds are, but they need to be tamed. <laughs> and meditation helps us put distance between our runaway thoughts and our reality. You know, and, and we it causes us to pause and realize that they're just thoughts. They're not proof of anything. And um, also, you know, mindfulness can encompass mindful spending. So the opposite of that is mindless spending, which we've all done. Uh, you know, buying something on autopilot or on a whim or simply because it's on the sale rack. Those kinds of spending decisions, we often regret a very short time later. And most of that happens because we just weren't present when we were making those decisions. So mindful spending is about taking notice of our actions and our feelings related to them in the moment. And so it's asking ourselves, you know, taking a pause and saying, why do I really want to buy this? Or does this align with my values or my goals or the vision for my life? And it's, and it's about slowing down and being truly present and conscious of our decisions and actions and what's truly driving them. What's under the surface there? And, and are we okay with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that you say sometimes we spend without even thinking about it because, for example, with Apple Pay, it's so easy. So one of the episodes I've recorded a while ago, the woman was talking about the fact that she actually deleted all her Apple Pay to be more mindful because again, or even on Amazon, you just click it's bots. Oh, you don't even notice that you actually add some money away. So yeah, that's, that's a good uh, example. And when you talk about vision as well, what kind of exercises do you do and, and what the goal? Yeah, sure. So I've always been a big goal setter. I'm very analytical by nature. I'm challenge oriented. So I love setting targets. But when it came to my personal financial goals, I would make a lot of progress in a short period of time, but then I'd eventually abandon the goal altogether and I wouldn't see it to completion. And the missing piece for me was vision. I simply did not have goals that aligned with a greater vision for my life. And so they were easy to walk away from. They weren't part of a bigger picture for me. And so many people find themselves failing at their goals, but that's, that's because they jumped right into them without having an overarching vision first. When we, when we have a vision for our lives, we often, um, you know, well, we, we all do, we all have a vision, whether we know it or not, <laughs> but we, we often keep it hidden deep inside, even from ourselves. And um, it kind of lives in our subconscious. And so a process that I use is called visioning and that, that helps the vision to emerge. Uh, the process is uh, really a guided visioning meditation. So it, it starts with general mindfulness exercise that kind of helps you get centered and calms and clears away those, those thoughts we talked about earlier. And then the exercise leads you through a series of introductions where you're actually meeting yourself at various milestones throughout your life. 
So you, you meet yourself at the uh, height of your career. You meet yourself at your retirement. And you meet yourself at your end of your life. And through this process, you uncover what that future you is most grateful for at each stage. So visioning is, is actually a two-part process that, that I lead people through. And the first is to do that visioning exercise I just described. And then the second part is to thoroughly reflect on that. So I ask my clients to write down that vision with, inc- with an incredible amount of detail. And sometimes the visioning process is actually iterative. So it can take several sessions for that vision to come through fully and clearly. But once, once you have that clear vision, that's when you can really move towards developing your intentions and then your goals. And it's at this point that financial planning can come into play. So in my practice, I help women take that vision and ultimately break it down into achievable short-term and long-term goals. And I mentioned this a little earlier, but you know, I really think visioning is a missing, a critical missing component from most financial planning processes. Most people jump headfirst into deciding what how much money they need to have in savings without understanding like what is why do you want that money? What is that money going to be used for? And does that is that money going to be sufficient for the life that you want to have? So that's why I created my self-guided visioning workshop, which is available on my platform, which is uh, listenwealth.com. So people can actually take themselves through that visioning process and it provides them with the necessary exercises and workbooks to sort of build upon what what emerges through the visioning. I have to say, I'm very intrigued. I think it's very powerful. And I totally join you on the fact that you need first to think about a lot of things before going to the how and and doing. But yeah, never really heard about the visioning process. And and I'm really, really interested about it. um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And um, the last thing that you often use are money rituals. So can you tell us a bit more again? Sure. Yeah. So I I mentioned a couple of them already. Gratitude is, it's really a ritual in and of itself, but I'd also add that there are some small rituals that you can adopt that will help you foster again, a blissful relationship with money. So uh, one of those that I do is I, I pick up loose change that I find on the street and I don't do this because I need that money, but because I value money too much to leave it there on the ground, like trash. So naturally like this ritual, this, this small step helps me respect my own money. So therefore I don't treat my own money like garbage and I also don't spend it on garbage either. Another helpful ritual is using affirmations. So present state affirmations can be very effective at helping to rewrite uh, money scripts and to help build a new belief system. So for example, saying, you know, money flows to me every day or I'm grateful for my increasing money. The key there is that it needs to be present state. Your affirmation should not be I will one day have, or one day money will come to me. No, money is coming to you now. And, you know, really a a belief is just a thought that you keep repeating over and over and over again until you decide it's a belief (laughs) and that's it. So if you have beliefs that aren't serving you, look at your thought patterns, start work backwards from there, take work backwards from the belief to the thoughts that led to that belief, and then start to change those thoughts intentionally and ritually. Love that. (laughs) so let's talk about building wealth now so I think at that point when we're trying to build wealth we definitely understand it's a process as you said that starts on the inside so your thoughts they become your beliefs and those 
beliefs drive your habits and those create financial reasons. So everything is linked. So can you describe the concepts of inner and outer wealth? Sure, yeah. So I don't believe that you can be wealthy externally in any lasting way if you feel poor internally. And so therefore the opposite of that must be true as well. You can't be poor externally if you wholeheartedly believe that you're wealthy on the inside. And a lot of this has to do with our subconscious thoughts. You know, they're a driving force behind whether we make healthy vision-driven financial decisions or not. And whether we embrace money and the opportunities to make and grow more of it, or we don't, whether we see the world as plentiful and abundant or full of lack and limitations. Um, and often we jump into tactical solutions first, the, what, what's really the outer work of money. So, you know, saving 10% of your income each year, putting yourself on some strict budget, investing in this or that, trying to do all of those things that, you know, society and experts tell us we need to be doing before we've actually done the inner work of money. And so we're still carrying around unhealthy beliefs that we aren't actually capable of achieving any of those goals. And most of our subconscious beliefs were actually established when we were very young. I knew someone who was starved as a baby. And so is it any surprise that when she grew up and became an adult that she ate every crumb of food and was severely overweight? The same thing happens with money. You know, and that, that's a prime example of a scarcity mindset. So researchers actually believe that our subconscious can control up to 95% of our actions. So if we, if we really want to be lasting wealth, like in the most successful and blissful way, we can't skip ahead past cleaning up our inner money mess. And so that's why I say wealth begins within and also the inner work of money must come before the outer work of money. Yeah. And I join you on that one. For me, it's really about like the point of coaching. But yeah, I guess it's exactly that before, again, working on what, look at the why and, and, and build from there. And as a, a lot of things with life, I think everything is a question of balance. So how can you have abundance today without compromising, for example, your long-term wealth? Yeah, this is so critical. You know, I'm I'm not interested in being miserable today for the chance that I might be fulfilled 30 plus years from now. That does not align with the vision for my life. And really the truth is, if I was miserable today, trying to work towards some long-term goals, I'd probably be very unsuccessful at it, you know, because I, I'd give up. I wouldn't be motivated. And so when we have a negative relationship with money, we don't make the best decisions around it. It's truly a lose-lose scenario. I believe we really only have today, you know, tomorrow is never a guarantee, <laughs> but that, that doesn't mean that we don't plan and save for the future, but it also doesn't mean that we sacrifice our joy in the present moment for it. So you're right. We, we absolutely need to find balance. And that's another reason why I believe visioning is, is really important for the short term and the long term. And that's why my program uh, doesn't just fast forward to retirement, but actually helps you craft a vision for yourself in the near term. I also believe that, you know, aligning your spending decisions with your values is really important for achieving balance. So I personally enjoy and value fancy restaurants. <laughs> the fancier, the better. <laughs> They give me a lot of joy. I just, I, I thoroughly enjoy them. So I spend lavishly and freely and guilt-free on going to nice restaurants, but I don't value or enjoy designer clothes. Although I, in my past life, I worked in a 
in luxury fashion, <laughs> but I, I don't, I just don't, I don't spend money on, on luxury designer clothes. It, it's not something that gives me any joy. So what's the underlying theme here? You know, my spending decisions are really based on what I value and what gives me joy, not on meeting, you know, someone else's standards or keeping up some sort of facade. And, uh, you know, finally, I'd say I'm, again, driven by my vision. You know, it's such a powerful tool because it pulls me forward towards my goals. It's hard for me to abandon any short-term or long-term goal when it is clearly aligned with a vision that I'm obsessed with. And the key is that it's my vision. Um, it's not someone else's vision or their notion of what I should or shouldn't be doing with my money. I really try to impress upon folks that, you know, personal. there's a reason why it's called personal finance. And we often look for impersonal <laughs> solutions <laughs> for something that that really needs to come from within us and be totally aligned with what we want for our life. And so it takes work, you know, the inner work of money and then the outer work of money that takes time and effort, but it's, it's so worth it. Mm. And from what you say, it makes us, and I'm sure like our listeners like to really want to do it because I don't know the way you speak, the way you, yeah, it's really appealing <laughs> at least for me. So, so how do you make sure that the plan that you want to do, which is aligned with the vision and so on, is actually sustainable and that you are financially resilient? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm a finance person by trade. I was a CFO for 15 years and I took all the certified financial planning courses and exams. So I'm not just talking about concepts here that aren't don't match up nicely with core foundational financial planning concepts, right? So first off, there are two numbers that everyone needs to know and track, and that's your monthly cash flow and your net worth. And it really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter what those numbers actually are. What matters most is, are they growing and improving over time? Great, if they are. If they're not, then we need to explore why and perhaps make some trade-offs. But any trade-off that's made needs to align with that vision and cannot deplete your bliss. Because as I said before, it, it then becomes counterproductive. You know, you think that living on rice and beans is helping you achieve some goal, but it's actually depleting you, depleting your spirit and making it less likely that you'll follow through on those goals. And oftentimes we, we take someone else's vision and we break it down into, um, when we do this exercise of taking someone's vision and breaking it down into financial goals, we often find that their cash flow is out of alignment with their requirements, right? So maybe their vision is much more grandiose <laughs> than their current resources. And that's okay, that's common. So first we look at ways to increase incoming cash inflows. So perhaps, you know, they're underpaid. Their current, their current salary does not match up with the life they want to live. That is quite common, especially for women, because we know that we're typically underpaid. And so when you've got your vision and you're really clear on that, all of a sudden, you're now motivated to, to be assertive for yourself. So we often see that women then take steps to make a career change or to advocate for a promotion or raise. When they knew all along they were underpaid, they just didn't have the motivation to do something about it. And once we've exhausted those options, we look at areas where their spending is out of alignment with the vision and where they're willing to make those pain-free trade-offs. I personally don't do budgets. I do buckets instead. So I give each dollar a job and I automate everything, savings, investing, bill payment. I believe that money management can and should be effortless. And so using your time and energy and to enjoy your life instead of trying to track every penny 
Yeah. Unless of course, like tracking every penny gives you joy, but then I'm off where you doing it. Um, and finally, like, I, I don't believe in having an emergency fund because again, as I mentioned before, I, I watch how I speak about money. Instead, I have a peace of mind fund. And at a minimum, I, I believe that fund should hold at least three months worth of, of necessary cash outflows, but it can really go as high as you want. You know, the key here is to understand how much money do you want to have in short-term savings at any given moment in time that will truly give you peace of mind. And that amount will and should be different for everybody. And so as you can tell, like I'm not the biggest fan of personal finance rules of thumb. You know, there's, you know, have some set amount in savings or do this or that based on some benchmarks. Um, rules of thumb really do take the personal out of personal finance and they certainly don't align. There's just no way that they could ever align with your unique vision. So they're better than nothing, but they're far from ideal. And I think women deserve better. They deserve to have to be following a financial plan that's automated and effortless and that thoroughly aligns with the vision that they have. I join you on that one. So, so agree. <laughs> so to finish, you've set yourself a life-changing goal, which is to be the first millionaire in your family tree. So where are you in the process? Yeah. So honestly, it was first an intention before it was a goal. You know, I felt deep inside that I was a millionaire and I knew it to be true long before my net worth statement agreed with me. <laughs> and, um, you know, with that intention set, opportunities were presented to me that helped me achieve that goal. So, you know, were those opportunities there before? Maybe, but it wasn't until I had the firm belief that I saw those opportunities as available to me. You know, I, I think we're all capable of being millionaires. I know we are. But when we don't believe it wholeheartedly on the inside, we can sometimes keep a very narrow focus. And oftentimes we have blinders on. So when opportunities present themselves to us to make more money or save more money or invest uh, more, we don't see them or we block them out. And so, you know, once I had that intention, I had that deep rooted feeling inside that this was truly who I was. Those opportunities were just all around me and I was motivated by my vision to seize them. And so that's, again, why I say, you know, wealth, wealth truly does begin with them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for this discussion. I absolutely adore it. I think we're so aligned to each other. I can see a lot of yoga spirits, a lot of, yeah, as you said, mindfulness and gratitude and all these words that I really apply on my daily life and that I really am a strong believer in. So everything that you said really talks to me and I'm very, very, very curious about the visioning aspect. So maybe I'll um, reach out to you to, to really go deeper on that one. But thank you so much for your insights and sharing all of that and um, speak to you soon. Sure thing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.